0: Have you considered writing devotionals but aren't sure where to start? Are you familiar with the hook, book, look, took concept in writing devos? Today's guest has some ideas you don't want to miss. Stick around. Your best writing life begins right now. Welcome to your best writing life an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in today. Guess what we're talking about? Writing devotions. And who better to have here than my industry expert, Cindy Sprouls? Cindy was born and raised in the Appalachian Mountains. She loves her heritage and enjoys sharing about the mountain culture. Cindy is a speaker, author, and conference director, executive director with ChristianDevotions.us, and she works as a writing mentor. She's married to Tim, the prince, with four adult sons and two grands. Welcome, welcome to your best writing life, Cindy.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: It is so good to have you here. And before we begin, you are a first-time guest on Your Best Writing Life, so I have to invite our listeners behind that curtain. We're going to kind of pull it back for just a moment and look at the inside life of our expert. And Cindy, I'm going to ask you to share with us something maybe we would not find on your bio. (laughs) Oh,
1: Something you would not find on my bio is that I guess for 15 years, I was a veterinary surgery tech. So um, I helped in surgery uh, with anesthesia and uh, taking care of those little dogs and kitties uh, when they were in surgery. So that would be something most people don't know about me.
0: Wow! Now that's great. It's something we have a little <laughs> bit in common. I I was a vet tech for a few years. So does this mean that your your home is filled with dogs and cats?
1: Yes. Well, it was. It it still is my husband, when I got that job, my husband said, uh, please work there with my love and I appreciate it. And I want you to have fun there, but please don't bring anything home. And that was famous last words <laughs> 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 because, you know, over 15 years, we ended up with seven dogs and four ca- and uh, four cats. And there was even a goat that passed through at one point. It didn't live with us, but it passed through. And, uh, and then we babysat a bunch of animals for people. So it's kind of one of those things that happen when you work for a vet, you know, people love you and they know how well you take care of them. So you end up babysitting their animals.
0: (laughs) And I I I like a house full full of animals that are loved because I did catch what you said is that it's your second love. And I, and I will tell you that I do believe that God brings us together with opportunities that we love what we're doing. And if you have the heart for it, that is a beautiful thing. I've had many, many animals on our property as well here, and we do love them or we wouldn't do what we do. So this is (laughs) is good. All right. We're going to dive into our content for today. And today we're looking at writing devotions. So right off the top, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here for you to cover hook, book, look, and took. In devotional writing,
1: well, I'd like to tell you that I could take credit for making that up, but I didn't, and I can't. Um, actually, hook, book, look, and took is uh, what is is the name that we've placed on uh, the devotional side of this, but actually, it's it's the the method that they teach ministers to write sermons with, and so. We've placed on it the hookbook book, look and took title so we could teach it a little bit better. But it's a wonderful tool to be able to use because once you learn how to write hookbook book, look and took, then uh, not only can you apply it in your devotionals and uh, in your devotions, individual devotions, but also you can learn how to use it in your fiction and in your nonfiction. And when you learn how to master that, you will have a nice, well-rounded chapter every time you use it. So it's a great tool.
0: All right. Can you walk us through that then? Because I'm hearing that it's per chapter if you're looking at a book, but if you're looking at the devotional, Mm -hmm. then what, what is considered the hook?
1: Okay. So uh, if you're working on a devotion, uh, the hook is the one thing that catches the reader's attention. It's, it's a, it's a statement. It's a brief little story. It's a, it's kind of a shocking thing. And by shocking, it doesn't always mean that you, you know, it's something death defying. <laughs> uh, right. One of the best, best, ultimate best, I keep saying that over and over again, uh, hooks is my ministry partner Eddie Jones wrote on a devotion we used to do. He said, She said, devotions for seven years. And so he wrote, um, his hook was, I got married at the age of five in the basement of the First United Methodist Church. And what a hook is, is something that makes the reader go, what on earth are you talking about? That's what hooks them in. That's what makes them want to continue to listen. In a devotion, you want it in the first line. You don't want it in the middle of the paragraph. You don't want it in the middle of the devotion. You want it in the first line. So you, you work very hard to find that good hook. The thing about a hook is a lot of times uh, readers have those hooks, but they're kind of on down in their devotion a little bit further. So Mm -hmm. look for that hook to start out your reader with and make them ask that question, what on earth is going on here? Because if they do, if they ask that question, then they are going to continue to read. If you're writing a devotion in a book then a reader will give you a couple of three pages. But if you're writing a devotion online, you've got about 10 to 20 seconds. And you know from your own experience with email that if it doesn't catch you right off the bat, then you hit delete. So you don't want to put all that work into it and have it go, you know, with delete out the back door. So get a good hook. That's the first and most important thing. It's that thing that catches the reader's attention that makes them ask that question What on earth is going on here? Then book, the book is a story. It's where you declare your point, your interpretation of the scripture. So it's kind of where you put that awe moment. So people may, they relate to a little story. If, and I always tell people that little story, that little antidote about the little boy that's walking down the beach and he sees a starfish and he bends down and picks it up and tosses it in the water. He walks a little further, he sees a starfish, he bends down, picks it up and tosses it back in the ocean. There's a man walking behind him who finally says, son, you can't save them all. And he picks up another one and tosses it back in the ocean and he said, but I saved that one. That is one of those little stories that people connect to. And it's what makes them remember.
0: Now, when we're looking at the elements of a story, in particular, mm-hmm. in a devotion, mm-hmm. does the story have to be, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be your own personal story. No. It can be a, a shared story. But what is it that you've found in the stories that really makes a devotional stand out? Is it vulnerability of the writer? Do I have to be real transparent and pour out my story from the depths of my being? Or is it something, can it be funny? Can it have humor in it? Does it have to be somber? What type of story is one of the best to put in a devotional?
1: It, it doesn't have to be any one particular type of story, because people relate to any kind of story. I think people who are able to really grasp hold of humor, you know, we remember humor really well. So if you have okay. a humorous story, that's great. You know, and Plus two, if you're able to really tug at the heartstrings of people, they're going to remember that, you know, just like the story about the little boy walking down the, the, uh, you know, down the beach and picking up the the starfish and throwing them in, you know, it's kind of touching. And so you remember those things. I always tell people, write what you are good at writing. And here's Mm -hmm. the other thing. We don't have to. (laughs) We can make up a story. It's funny because a lot of times uh, people think that if it's a devotion, that they cannot make up a story because we're like, for somehow somehow we're we're being irreverent if we're not telling we're not telling the truth.
0: But that's a good point. That's an excellent point. Yes,
1: we are writers. We are allowed to make these stories up. I I once had an agent tell me when you can write a story that people have to ask you if that's the truth, then you have nailed a story. And so it's the same thing when it comes to writing these stories for a devotion. If you can make up a story, even if you use yourself, it doesn't matter. The reader doesn't know you. But the point is the story that you tell makes an impact, whether it's through humor or whether it's through tugging at their heartstrings or whatever, make the story up. It's okay. It's not I mean, you know, you're not gonna God's not going to point his finger down and say, I can't believe you made that story up. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody has to make these stories up and we're writers. So it can be us. We're allowed, you know, but it's it's kind of funny because I guess we think that within a devotion, it's, it is so reverent that we're not allowed to do that. But, uh, you know, our imaginations are wonderful things. <laughs> and when we can use that imagination to make a point, uh, especially to teach a scripture. I mean, you know, Jesus made up his stories. So, And I, and
0: I think that that could be the leading of the Holy Spirit as well, yes, is yes. that you have that prompting that this would really tie in. This is a comparison. This is a, like you said, that heart-tugging story that people would be moved with. Right. You're sharing a story for them to identify and to relate to, uh, relate to the concept of of the scripture.
1: Yes. So, if that it, makes sense, it, doesn't it does. Matter it's, it doesn't matter if it's humor. And like I said, some I think some of the best things that people really you know latch onto are humorous things. So, if you're able, mm-hmm. which is why you know when I said uh, my ministry partner made that one great hook about I got married at the age of five in the basement of the first United Methodist church. <laughs> you know, it makes you, it's, it's cute and it's kind of humorous and you're thinking, Oh my goodness. Uh, but you know, that sticks with people and that can help you make lead them on end to, and I think that's the key thing. We want to lead them down this path and teach them. So if we can lead them step by step by step, whether it's through humor or, you know, heart wrenching or, or personal, you know, personal is fine. You just want to be careful when you get personal that you don't get too personal. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> it does, it does. And, and you know that you've, you've brought us into, you had a great hook with that story. And I know we have listeners going, well, what's the rest of that story? I mean, he was five. What in the world does that mean? So can you give us some res- resolution here? We need some resolve in this because we're all going to be trying to figure out he was five? <laughs> what? she have got to five. share the rest of the story.
1: <laughs> well, he he made friends with a little girl, and they were five years old, and he gave her a paper wedding band. Aww. And so they got married. The preacher married them in the basement of the church <laughs> with Aww. their paper wedding bands. And he said the worst that we could do was take off our shoes, lay down on our mats, and play tootsies.
0: <laughs> oh, how
1: Yeah. So but see it's humor, you know, and so that that was what, you know, I, I just I still think that's a great hook, but it was a great little story. So you find a story, you write a story, or some sort of little antidote like that that you can eventually apply to your scripture and, you know, let people begin to see how this stacks together. So you bring them in with a hook, you hang on to them with that hook. Then you give them this little story that helps them start to relate to whatever scripture you've chosen. And it's where they're going to have that awe moment, you know, where they go, Oh yeah, I get that. Um, then you move on into look, which is where you present the big picture. It's your practical application. See, a devotion has to have three primary things for it to be a devotion. It has to have that scripture. It has to have an application. And it has to have a takeaway. Those Mm -hmm. are the three things that make a devotion a devotion. Without those, they're just more inspirational thoughts. So within look, that's where you put the practical life application. So you take your scripture, then you have your hook, Where you're starting to bring them in then you have the book where you tell the little story that starts to relate to your scripture that you can kind of tie together and then you bring them into the life application what does that scripture mean for you what can it mean for them how can they apply it to their life and it becomes useful and it sticks with them hopefully between that little story that you've told them and the application that you've taught them it will stick. They will remember it. So you drive home your point here. You want to be concise with your message that you want the reader to receive. So you stay focused. You don't rabbit trail around (laughs) and you stick to it. Uh, Then the last thing would be the took, which is the takeaway. A lot of times people will use a question for a takeaway. Uh, I try to get people to turn that around and make it a statement because a statement is a much more impactful thing than asking a question. So the best way I can explain that, I guess, is a lot of times we will say, would you invite Christ into your life Uh, as opposed to invite Christ into your life? Do you see the difference?
0: Right. There's Uh, a strength. makes
1: sense yeah, it's much more of an impact. You're not giving them an easy out. They Mm -hmm. have to make some sort of a decision one way or the other. So you take your hook, you take the book, which is the story, you take the lick, which is the application, and then you take the took, which is that one thing that you want them to take away uh, from your devotion. Excuse me. So it's offer them a challenge of some sort. You don't want to go through and teach them all of this, because when you're doing a devotion, you are basically a prophet of sorts, for lack of better words, you're you're taking this opportunity to teach one scripture. So you don't want to take all this time to teach them a scripture and not offer them an opportunity to make a change.
0: To do something some with it.
1: Yes. It, it, so, has,
0: it has value.
1: Yes, and it has value. And so with value, that
0: value, this is how it can change your life.
1: Yes. So offer them a challenge. And that's why I said, instead of asking them a question and we flip that question over into a statement, then... They no longer have an easy out. They have to make a decision, you know, instead of a, an open-ended question where they can just walk away from. Right. Now we've offered them a challenge that they have to either accept or not. Your devotion is a vital, important thing. And, and a lot of times at conferences, I, I see a lot of people who say, I write a devotion because I think it's easy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And it's like writing a children's book. No, it's not. (laughs) Mm -mm. But it is one of the best tools you will ever learn to use as a writer because it does help you write concise and put things in order and stick to the, you know, stick to the, (laughs) stick to the path to do it. So um, you want to be able to take the scripture and teach them something with it. It's a vital thing, a devotion. Uh, because you are taking an opportunity to teach with it, not just write something, but to teach something that can change their life. Does that make
0: sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And it just falls in line. I can see how this is something that would be used for a pastor's sermon. I could see how this could be used in so many ways of writing. But as you say, having that concise follow along this is the direction we're going. Make sure all of these are included. Then you know you're going to hit the mark. And if something is missing, you can go back and say, oh, "I had the hook, I had the book." Oh, wait, 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 wait. The application. That's what I need to work on. Make yes. sure you keep them looking there. I think this is this is just very easy to follow, and it's valuable. Very good. Yeah. Now, is there is there an average number of words for a mm. devotional?
1: <laughs> no, I mean. It, it needs to be short, uh, but uh, they can range anywhere from 150 to, to 800 or 900 words. Wow. I, on our website, on ChristianDevotions.us, we recommend 400 words. That's not including your, um, your scripture. Okay. Because we're looking at it online, and so the more that people have to scroll down online, the longer our mind says, oh, I can't read that. It takes too long. <laughs> you know, we yeah. love technology, but at the same time, it's made us all a little bit attention deficit, you know? So we, uh, if we have to scroll down too much, then we won't continue to read. So 400 words fits on a page. Okay. You might have to scroll down once depending on if it's got uh, dialogue in it or not. But um, they can go anywhere from 150 to, you know, 800, 900 words. It just depends on who you're writing for. So it's important that you make sure that when you start to write a devotion, that you, wherever you're submitting it to, that you look at the guidelines. Because if you send an 800 word devotion to us, we're going to send it back and say, hmm, can you cut this in half? (laughs) Um, You know, so you want to make sure that you follow the, the guidelines.
0: That's very good. Good advice. Good advice. I like, too, that I'm thinking with the hook, book, look and took and 150 words. I'm going, are are we writing tight or what? Because (laughs) that is a that is a tight amount of words there. But if you can do it, imagine how many you could do. And yeah, that that's a great way to reach your audience, no matter what you write. This could be an excellent tool to extend your writing, similar to writing articles, but writing devotionals that match the theme of what the market is looking for, depending on who you're wanting to write for.
1: Remember, I said there's three things that must be in a devotion to make it a devotion. And a lot of times when they are so short, a lot of things get lumped under the title of devotion. Mm. But they're really more inspirational thoughts. And so if you hit something under 250 words, it's kind of hard to get those three elements right. of an application of scripture and a takeaway into 150 words. It's just about impossible to do that. So those that are that short are really more what I call inspirational thoughts. And okay. but just remember that there's a lot of stuff that's kind of dumped underneath the word devotional. You kind of have to look at your guidelines again and see. Um, when I was uh, at a teaching at a conference in Philadelphia, I had a little lady that was like 82 years old. And she she walked in and sat down at the appointment table, and she slid this devotion across the table. And she said, she was so funny. She said, well, I've written this thing. I don't know if it's worth anything or not. <laughs> And so I picked it up and read it. The thing that was so amazing, and that was 12 years ago ish. Wow. Okay. But the thing that was so wonderful about that little lady and the devotion that she wrote is because she used hook, book, look, and took, and she had no idea she had done it. And because of that, I can still to this day tell you <laughs> every aspect of that devotion, you know, and that the scripture she used was Romans 8, and mm. that the title, I can even remember the title, which was today is a C day, the letter C. Mm. And then I can remember the story, which was that her husband was the one who set the pace for the family every day. And so he would get up in the mornings, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror. And if he was cranky, he would decide what day it was and what kind of day it was going to be. It's a C day. It's a cranky day. You know, Mm. and then he would take a shower, do his devotions, do his prayer time, go back to the mirror, look in, and say, It's a good day. Today is a G day. It's a good Mm. day. And then he would go downstairs and meet his family and start Mm. the day on a right wing. And it's all because she wrote hook, book, look, and took. And I can still to this day, 12 years later, remember that. That's why we write devotions with this particular method, because those little stories make an impact and people will remember them. They will
0: remember them and they will apply them. And it makes a difference. It does. Very good. Very good. You had mentioned when you end a devotional, instead of asking a question to turn it around and make it more of a statement. So here's my question about questions. How does asking questions in, in a devotion lose the reader?
1: Okay. So it's how the mind works. Now there's a lot of uh, devotion writers out there who are going to, who will argue me down up one side and down the other over this. But it, it, when you think about it, this is how the, this is how the mind works. When we start bombarding the mind with a hundred different questions, we can only think and process one at a time. Mm. So if I get a devotion in where in the first paragraph, and this happens a lot because we as writers want to make sure that our reader understands what we're saying. (laughs) So we say it over and over and over in every different way we know how to say it. And we ask the question a thousand times. We might in the first paragraph ask four or five different questions But what happens is the reader's eyes continue to read, but their head stops at the first question mark Uh and it starts to process what is the answer to this question. And so even though their eyes are reading all the way down to the bottom, their Mm -hmm. mind is not absorbing. So if we take the questions out and I mean, there's an exception to every rule. You know there's going to be times when you need to use a question but where you place it in the devotion is what's critical because if you put it as the very first line <laughs> in a, in your devotion then you've lost your reader because their head stops at the first question mark and starts spinning to answer the question unless it's a rhetorical question and if it's a rhetorical question the brain knows to read past that you know, think about that when you're writing a devotion. Don't think about it when you're writing anything <laughs> because it doesn't just apply to a devotion. It apply, it applies across the board pretty much. Um, if you want your reader to stay with you, do not ask them question after question after question. Instead, if you have to ask a question, make it a rhetorical question so that they read over it. But, you know, because, like I said, because we... We want to make sure that people get what we're saying and that we make an impact with what we're saying. We keep asking those questions and thumping it in, and uh, they don't get it. They read. They continue to read, but they don't absorb. So we want them to absorb.
0: Now, can we ask one question?
1: Yes, and As you, a beginning. you just need to make sure you put it in the right place. Okay. You know, so if you're going to ask the question, don't put it in your first paragraph, you know, because remember, in that first paragraph, you want to grab them with a hook. Uh, right. And so you're, unless it's going to be, like I said, a rhetorical question that the brain reads over, sometimes you're going to have to ask a question. And if you do, just place it strategically. The closer to the bottom you place it, the better because they're reading the entire devotion. It's a challenge for you to change those things into a statement. It's a real writing challenge. And when you learn to do that, you really write some amazing things. So, you know, it's a good challenge. That's why I said it's one of those things that uh, really helps you develop a skill within a devotion and make you a good writer because it challenges you to stretch beyond just what we know. So if you're going to use a question mark, then ask a question, ask it down toward the bottom, uh, unless it's a rhetorical question. That way they read the devotion, they get the story, they get the application, and then uh, then you can ask the question for them to think about it.
0: But not end with a question. No, you ask can Ask the question for them to think about it and then make a statement based off of Question, yes. Maybe. I always okay. think
1: it's better. I always, you can't ask that question at the end.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. Well, we talked about, of course, hook, book, look, and took, and book portion is the story portion. So we're always told people love story. You need to have story, story, and you're, you know, writing, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction in a devotion, I guess, what is the value of telling a story?
1: The value of telling a story in a devotion is that p- people relate. They relate to that. When they relate to something, they remember it. Mm-hmm. When they remember it, they can take action on it. So um, they can, It it is a It's something that's very valuable within it. So that story is important. That story is one of the things I remembered from twelve years ago. I could relate to that. You know, and so people will relate to those stories. And when like I said, when they relate then they remember. And also, too, those stories are what make them hit the forward button and send it to somebody else. They're the ones that make them pass along a devotional book to something else, to somebody else, and say, you should read this because they relate to the things that are told in that. So relating makes them remember, and remember causes them to take action.
0: Good, good. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that's not related to this portion. Mm-hmm. So, Cindy Sprouls, what brings you joy?
1: Oh, that's easy. <laughs> these mountains bring me joy. I I find my happiest moments in these mountains because when you live in the mountains, um, this is the closest to the door of heaven you're going to get here on mm. earth. And um, I love to go to the top of the mountain. I love to be able to experience God at that point. I love to be able to put my hands in the air and feel like my fingertips are scraping the clouds. And mm. you know, and so to me, that's what brings me great joy. Is what
0: mountains? To, what mountains are you referencing? Sanders? I am.
1: I'm. Well, I live in the foothills of Smoky Mountains, Mm. but I'm right under, I'm also to the left of me are the Blue Ridge Mountains, so I'm kind of right in the middle of the two, so you know, I get to go, (laughs) (laughs) I get to go left or right, (laughs) north or south either way, and go up any mountain I want to go up, so, um, and there's lots of beautiful lookouts here. You know, I'm in Tennessee, so lots of beautiful lookouts. And and then, like I said, 20 minutes north and our east, I guess, 20 minutes east, and I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains, you know, where Ridgecrest is. So, absolutely. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very good. All right, as we wrap up, I know that you are the executive editor at uh, ChristianDevotions.us, I'd yes. love for you to share with our listeners a little insight into the ministry and maybe some opportunities that might be there for, for our listeners today.
1: Well, I would be happy to do that. Uh, Christian Devotions Ministries was begun at actually Richcrest at a conference um, when in 2004, uh, my ministry partner, Eddie Jones, and I Um, it's funny that God put together two misfits to make one pretty decent person I think between the two of us. Um, but we sat across the table and heard other people who at the time we were not published, but we, we could sit across and hear other people who were really good writers and, you know, the, the slots are few, uh, for those writers, you have to kind of do your time and, you know, be patient and get your a skill up to where that it is to a publishable level. And so when we decided to, to start Christian devotions, um, the prayer that we had was that God would allow us the opportunity to number one, put his word out there. Um, and there's a lot of good devotions out there. Uh, and the second thing was to be able to offer an opportunity to train Christian writers. Uh, and to be able to be the one who would allow those people who were trying so hard to be able to get their foot in the first get their foot through the door for the first time and give them a, a their first writing credit. so our our goal is not to tell people no. Now if you send us something like new age and that kind of stuff, we're not going to go for it. It's going to be a no. but um, you know if you have a devotion on your heart and it's maybe not ready for publication yet, our editor will work with you to mentor you so that we can get that up to a level where that is publishable. And then it goes on the website and you gain uh, the benefit of the platform that we have built, which is massive. You also... Uh, gain the opportunity because part of what we needed to be able to do and part of the prayer that we had was that god would allow us the opportunity to get to know industry professionals and publishers and editors and uh, agents so that they uh, knew who we were and what we stood for and what the mission was and uh, and to gain a respect so that they would send people to us, not only send people to us, but also that they would look at us and say, gee, they have some good writers there. Uh, We've had uh, some of our writers who have, uh, who have actually gotten contracts from publishers because they had a small in-house project that needed to be done. And so they perused the website, gone to that, to that person that they've seen and they've liked have gone to their website or their blog and, read through it and said, you know, I believe this will work for us. And so they've offered contracts to them to do some little in-house projects, which is awesome. Uh, You know, so God has blessed us with the opportunity to be able to do that, to be able to learn ourselves, you know, bloody knees. We've learned (laughs) what it is self-publication was not around when we started. Uh, You know, so we've had to learn, uh, you know, what it feels like to fail and uh, what it feels like to succeed and uh, to know that uh, when we put God first in all of that and when we continue to pray over the work that we do, that he would bless us and teach us and guide us and then allow us the opportunity to share that same thing with other writers and hopefully give them that first credit that they need that gets their foot through the door. Um, And then on the other side of that, you know, we're putting God's word out there every single day. So uh, the devotions go out to 157 countries, mm. and we send out about 25,000 emails a week, mm. uh, and Bad the idea. devotions are free, So, and our mentoring is free. So all you have to have is a teachable heart and a devotion, and, and we'll work with you to get it up to where it can be published.
0: What are the qualifications?
1: Now, they can be published or non-published. Okay. Um, We have some writers on there who are very well published, um, but we also, the bulk of those people who are on the website have never been published. Now we have some people who continue to write for us, which is great. we love that. You know, we're, we're booked into next year for devotions, but that's awesome because that's how we know that God is continuing to send people to us. We want you to come, we want you to send those devotions to us, and we want to give you that opportunity, whether you are unpublished or not, uh, we always need devotions. You know, 365 days, you need a devotion every day. And for 15 years, we've been doing this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we can use the devotions regardless of where you are, or in your, your skills. So we'll help you get where you need to be.
0: Good, good, good. And what would you like to offer to our listeners today as a giveaway?
1: Well, um, we've got the PDF, like you suggested. We have this PDF that, uh, with the Hookbook Look and Took that we can give away.
0: And as far as the PDF with, all, with the information on the Hookbook Look and Took, we have that link in our show notes as well. So you'll have all the ways to get a hold of Cindy. To find out more about Christian christiandevotions.us, and you are going to be taken care of, my friends. If this yes. is an area, if this is a genre that the Lord is speaking to you in, and He's saying, I I really think this is a direction that you can take, this is the episode for you. Please share it, share it, share it with others so that they can learn more about the uh, ministry at christiandevotions.us. And also so that they can learn the details and aspects of writing devotions. We're so glad that, Cindy, that you joined us and have given us from your deep well of information and just your willingness to share and share and share. I tell you, that's, that's what's such a blessing of being a part of the family of God. Yes. We just, we give. We want people to be equipped. We want people. To do their best for the kingdom. And because of that, it's like, how can we come alongside? And you fit that mold to a T. Absolutely, you do. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for being on your best writing life. I hope you will choose to come back on with me again.
1: I would love to. Thanks for having me.
0: So good to have you. And, of course, all of my friends love having you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, as always, please take a moment, if you haven't done so, to subscribe, rate, and review. Because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.